welcome to another episode of Canton Bound, the NFL uh, side of our flagship podcast here at Camp Canton. As always, I am Austin, and as is becoming the norm, no Colin here this evening. And I don't even know. He didn't give me an excuse this time. He just said, I'm not going to be there on Thursday. Dereliction of duty does not even begin to describe this guy anymore. I'm I'm thinking about putting out wanted posters. So if you guys if you guys think I should put something together, maybe uh, maybe I can have uh, uh, some of our graphics folks whip that up. But in the meantime, you're just getting me here tonight, guys. I actually want to do something a little different. Um, you know, the NFL. I talk so much college. I spend so much time on college now that the NFL is definitely not uh, even close to my specialty anymore. So instead of uh, of having somebody on or or, or really talking about the NFL stuff this week um, when you're probably mostly coming to listen to Canton Bound to listen to Colin and I complain at each other. Anyway, I figured I would do a little bit of a review of this year's year one zero theory and kind of give even more than that, just an overview of what it is for those that are not familiar. I know we've picked up listeners all the time here uh, on the show or or, you know, folks following us on Twitter or in the Discord or, or anything else over at Campus to Canton. So I want to start, I, I want to spend the entire episode tonight. That's all I'm going to do, guys. We're going to talk year one zero theory, what it is, how we apply it, um, and then uh, we'll apply it to this class and see who, with the bowl game still left, there's still one game left, um, who is looking like they might fall uh, into that year one zero category, which is not a good thing for wide receivers. So let, let's just kick this thing off. Uh, well, first, before I do that, uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, uh, along with a ton of other great podcasts. If you can find them all in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, uh, or you can check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Um, so on to year one zeros here. Let's dig right in. Won't spend any time chit-chatting. Um, year one zero is a theory that initially and I, I know i know i'm gonna be patting myself on the back here for a second initially i came up with uh and then chris moxley was able to run more numbers um and, and really f dig in and see if it was applicable um and it is a theory that basically says that um wide receivers have to have some sort of bare minimum um play time slash production in year one uh, in order to signal that they're going to have any debbie potential down the road and the theory behind it, it really started because, you know, I don't want to get too far off and not credit the correct people, but I'm going to attempt to credit as many people uh, as I can here as I kind of go through a very brief overview of or a, a timeline of analytics in fantasy wide receiver dumb. Um, dominator rating and breakout age are kind of the two standard longstanding items used to analyze wide receivers in college to determine whether they will make it to the NFL or whether their, their likelihood of producing once they get to the NFL uh, is higher or not. And I believe I want to say dominator was, was created by Anthony Amico and I forget who, who, who came up with breakout age. So I, I apologize for not giving that person the correct credit, but they, they've been around those two metrics for, I don't know, a decade, even longer than that at this point. And basically for those who aren't familiar with those breakout age is basically the age at which you broke out in college and, and, and break. And uh, uh, usually that means 20% dominator rating, which is just, you know, your percentage essentially of your team's production through the air. Um, so those two together kind of form the backbone of what 
uh, we looked at for wide receivers in the past from a numbers perspective. And then obviously over the past couple of years, you've added, you know, yards per route run and some of these other metrics that are interesting um, that I do not personally really use a ton, but I know a lot of our data guys, Jarek, uh, Tim, uh, Edna Beast Mode uh, and others um, really, really use when they're looking at some of these guys. So with that background information, year one, zero, I basically said, well, what happens, you know, if a guy doesn't break out year one and we have this whole list of guys that, that did not do that. And obviously the earlier breakout uh, that happens, uh, the better. And I said, well, well, you know, we, we, not many players break out year one, you know, if they do, that's great. You've got your, your Brian Edwards, your, um, I'm trying to think of some of the, uh, there, there's one or two every year that, that have, you know, a really nice year there uh, in the context of whatever offense that they're in, but most of these guys don't. And so you're kind of left guessing after year one, you know, which of these guys is going to break out year two, year three. And obviously again, earlier, the better. So I said, well, is there any way that we can look at what they did in year one to determine if they have maybe some increased likelihood of, of future breakout or even making to the NFL? And so that's kind of where this theory started. So I basically sat down and said, well, is there is there some sort of base level of production? It has to be like it, it doesn't have to be much, but is there just anything that we can look at, anything that we can grab onto? And I initially just looked at receiving yardage, receptions and receiving touchdowns. Um, very, very basic look at it. Um, and I found that, yes, essentially that they players that were, you know, hitting 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards or receiving touchdown were much more likely to break out at a later ages. So Chris took all the data dating back to, I believe, 2004, 2005, and through uh, 2019, because that is, you know, uh, the 2020, 2021 kids haven't really had a chance to to prove themselves in the NFL. He ran all that data through, and he basically confirmed what I had suspected. Um, so the categories that, that, that we now use that are kind of our official year one zero categories. A player can hit any one of these and be considered a non-zero. And with that comes an increased likelihood of future NFL success. And I'll tell you exactly what those hit rates look like here uh, in just a second. So the categories that Chris uh, determined, 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards, five rush attempts, 15 rush yards, one rushing touchdown, 10 total scrimmage touches, 115 scrimmage yards, and five punt slash kick returns. So we do take into account special teams too. And like I said, a player only needs to be uh, at one of these uh, to be considered an, a non-zero. So, you know, the, these this is like literally if you're sitting there talking with your friends and you go, he did nothing last year. Like this, this is basically he did nothing if you can't manage to do any of these as a true freshman. It is, it is kind of a surrogate for playtime for probably or a sur yeah a surrogate for like playtime earned a surrogate for you know probably you know how impressive a player is in practice how hard they're working off the field um, uh, for coaches trust in them and then for talent as well I, I, all these things kind of get captured by this um, because you can see a player that plays a ton and they don't they don't manage any of these things and then the opposite if a player really isn't playing at all obviously not great either so this kind of captures a lot of those nuances um, and, and, and kind of starts placing some of these players um, based on on those items. So, um, like I said, tw tw 2005 to 2019 is the player pool that we looked at. We looked at players that were top 300 overall in the country, um, and we limited to that just because we start seeing draft future draft rates really drop off at that point. So it just made sense, you know, to kind of keep thing all things equal. We would go to about 300. 
uh, and the sample size was 442 players once, once we did that. So it, it, it's a pretty decent sample size. And the results, here's what we found. For players uh, that get to the NFL to have a top 36 season, so a wide receiver three finish, if you were a year one zero, a.k.a. you did not hit any one of those eight tiers, your chances of having a, at least one wide receiver three season in the NFL, 3%. Eight of 270 players. If you were a non-zero, aka you hit at least one of those categories and potentially more, 30 of 172 hit, which is 17.4%. So 3% for 17.4%. Pretty significant. Let's take it a little step further. Top 24 season. So a player that has at least one wide receiver to finish. If you were a year one zero, again, didn't hit any category, six out of 270 players, 2.2%. Non-zeros, 22 of 172, which calculates out to 12.8%. Again, a significant difference between zero, zero, non-zero. And then top 12 seasons, a.k.a. that elusive wide receiver one finish. Year one zeros, three players out of 270, 1.1%. Non-zeros, 14 out of 172. Still not amazing hit rates, but 8.1% is eight times more likely that you will have a future uh, wide receiver one season in the NFL. If you are a non-zero, aka you hit at least one of those categories, so that is a sub three percent hit rate across wide receiver one, two, or three finish. If you do not hit any of those categories, so you you didn't have ten receptions, you didn't have a hundred receiving yards, you didn't have five rush attempts, you didn't have five punter kick returns. Again, like I'm not going to list them all out here again, but it, it is it, it is a very low threshold to cross for a lot of these guys especially with how high school and and in kind of the camps, you know, seven on seven works. Now these kids that are high four-star kids, they are physically and technically mature enough to come in and do something. A lot of people ask us, well, what about guys that just go to crowded wide receiver rooms? Do you ignore that kind of context? And my response is, is always, we aren't ignoring that context. But what we found is that truly great players, that context doesn't matter to them. And there are two big examples that I can always come up with off the top of my head from the past five or six years to kind of show that. The first one being Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams famously started at Ohio State, and he left because he wasn't getting enough playing time, went to Alabama, broke out at Alabama in his third season after really not doing much year one, year two, and got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, even with that significant knee injury that's kept him out most of the season. Well, you guess what, guys? He was in a crowded wide receiver room at Ohio State, and he didn't do much as a freshman. But he hit some of these categories there. A guy that that people said, you know, wasn't playing at all, wasn't doing anything, was stuck behind all these players. He managed to achieve that. Another crowded wide receiver room that comes to mind is that that 2000 and I believe 17 Alabama wide receiver room that had Devonta Smith, that had Jalen Waddle, that had Jerry Judy, and it had Henry Ruggs in it, amongst others. And, and none of those guys ended up as zeros, even though there were other guys there when they got there as well. I believe Calvin Ridley was still in that roster potential. Somebody else was there. My point being that, that you know, for as crowded as that, those Bama teams were at basically every position. Those players all still managed to hit at least one of these thresholds, and a couple of them hit multiple of them. So the, the the point of the story is here: if you are truly a good enough player in blowouts, for instance, at Alabama at Ohio State, those are two programs that are primed for you know they're they're up fifty two nothing on Southeastern Missouri State or whatever in the third and fourth quarter of that game. Some of these guys are probably getting in there. Can they make a splash play? If they're good enough, the answer should be yes, and there should be multiple of those chances for them. 
throughout the season. Then obviously some of these guys that go to lesser programs, think a guy, no offense to Missouri fans listening to this, like Luther Burton, who went to Missouri this year, I would expect him to be able to hit a bunch of these thresholds because Missouri just doesn't have that depth and that top end talent at the wide receiver position to block him in any meaningful way. And he, as I'll talk about in a minute, did hit actually, I believe every single category. So if you are good enough, the context shouldn't matter. The room that you're in shouldn't matter. The team that you're on shouldn't matter. Circumstances should allow for you to have enough opportunity if you are doing the things that you are supposed to be doing to do that. The other question that we get a lot is, well, do you factor in injury? And injury is also not something that we factor in because, again, we did not find that there was a meaningful difference if we excluded players that were injured their entire true freshman year. Because it does, at the end of the day, set you back. If you come in with other quality guys at a place like Alabama, they might lap you by year two if you, you suffer the knee injury. It's, it's unlucky. It's unfortunate. But it is the hard truth, I believe. So I, I, I don't have all the names in front of me that like factored into this entire data set. But I do know the players that had the top 12 seasons, those, those three players that did end up getting wide receiver one seasons in the NFL, one of them was DK Metcalf, who was injured his entire freshman year. So he's, he is a guy that, that could be an example of it. But the other two were Tyreek Hill, who is like the outlier answer for everything. And the third one was Jarvis Landry. I don't know what the deal was there. He wasn't injured the whole year. I don't know what his issue was. Just didn't play. Those LSU teams were pretty good. So, um, but but that that's just like injury doesn't necessarily, it, it doesn't make a difference if we excluded or included it in the data. The, the numbers were essentially the same. So, so guys like Adam Randall this year, who I'm going to talk about here in a second, the wide receiver at Clemson, he might be in some trouble. He was injured for a lot of the year, but he did come back. He has played. He hasn't hit any of these thresholds yet. He has the bowl game still to do that. Um, so, so just a couple of things there to monitor. Now, I did ask our NIL members in the Discord if they had any questions uh, about year one zeros or anything. Because we actually, for NIL members, guys, we have a whole entire specific section of our Discord where we just discuss all the players who are eligible to be year one zeros. Jarek, our data guru, posts a weekly charts that kind of break everything down. I'm actually going to tweet one of them out here after the show just to kind of show you guys what they look like. They're really, really cool. Um, it breaks down every single player. It shows what metrics they've hit, if any, and then all the ones they haven't hit yet. There's a bar that shows you like how close they are to hitting it. Really cool uh, feature that we have. And I did ask in that chat, uh, does anybody have any questions about the year one zero theory. So before I hop into the specific players as to what it looks like for this year, I did want to answer this one real quick. And, and Todd asked, is there anyone that you think this year that's going to get a shot in the bowl games to get off of the list? Most and least, and then a second question, who are the most and least surprising guys to make the list? So let's take a look at the players who are, who are in consideration, those top 300 players in this year's class that we are paying attention to for the year one zero theory. And I'm just going to list off their names here real quick. There's, I don't know, 25, 30 of them, something like that. So here they go uh, in order here. And a couple of them were like listed as other positions, and we've shifted over here. You'll hear Emmanuel Henderson, for instance. He was listed as a running back. He's now a wide receiver. We include him in this data set. Uh, similarly, I believe Kendrick Law is on here. He was listed as an athlete. So we do, once the players' positions have switched, we do lump them in with the data. So here are the names. Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, Chris Marshall, Aaron Anderson, Emmanuel Henderson Jr., Ted Rowe McMillan, Isaiah Bond, Caden Saunders, Shaz Preston, Antonio Williams, CJ Williams, Andre Green Jr., Kobe Prentice, Caleb Brown, Kendrick Law, Kion Grays, 
Jordan Hudson, Barian Brown, Adam Randall, Tobias Merriweather, Talon Shetron, Brennan Thompson, Caleb Burton, Tyler Morris, Isaiah Setegna, Darius Clemens, Kyler Casper, who reclassified, Kojo Antwi, Jaden Gibson, Tyshawn Chapman, Matthew Golden, Armani Winfield, Shalik Knotts, Anthony Ivey, Marquez Dorch, Denylon Morissette, Dane Key, Jeremy Bernard, Reggie Florima, DJ Allen, Jamorian Wayne, Jaden Marshall, Omar Cooper Jr. Some of those players you may never have heard of, um, and unfortunately a bunch of them are zero, so you'll probably never hear from them again. But that is the list, the player pool uh, of names that we are choosing from. I didn't count as I was going, um, but I believe it, it is just over 30. Uh, actually, I it might, might be close to 40, but, but that is the list. And I'm just going to run through which players hit at least one of these thresholds. These players, we don't have to, we're, these are, this is the pool of players that we are looking at drafting next year in Debbie drafts and C2C drafts. These are the players, the kind of the pool from this class that you're going to want to pay attention to. Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, Chris Marshall, Tet McMillan, Isaiah Bond, Antonio Williams, Kobe Prentice, Jordan Hudson, Barry and Brown, Matthew Golden, Dane Key, Jeremy Bernard. That's it. Those are the only guys that have hit so far this year. That means every other name on here, you know, virtually all the Alabama guys, um, basically all the Ohio State guys. Adam Randall on here, unfortunately. Talon Shetron, who was a big favorite of mine there at Oklahoma State. Um, the Michigan guys. I mean, all the Notre Dame guys. The Penn State guys. They have two names on this list. Like, just none of these guys. Uh, did what they needed to do to get on the field consistently enough and, and produce when they got there to get off the list. Now, there is another piece to this that I want to discuss real quick before um, I, I kind of dive into some of these names, which ones I, I think are still interesting moving forward, maybe, which ones I could see being outliers. And I know I said, you know, these were the hit rates for, you know, wide receiver three season, wide receiver two season, wide receiver one season. And they were, you know, the, the, the non-zero in every single category was significantly ahead uh, of the of the zero. We also found that players that hit four or more of those eight categories in any given year were more likely to hit in the future, which makes sense, right? You know, a, a guy might get a rushing touchdown and that's all he does, which is great. But there might be a guy who gets a rushing touchdown, uh, over 100 receiving yards, 10, ru 10 receiving touchdowns. They've got him in on special teams. Like, it makes sense logically that that guy's probably the better player or at least has the chance to be because the coaching staff trusted them to do more as true freshmen than the guy that got like the one rushing touchdown and that's it so guys that hit four plus categories saw a serious increase uh in their odds at hitting any of these things and just to give you the comparison numbers of, of how much of a difference it is so for a wide receiver three season we said that non-zeros hit at 17 percent of the time 19.5% of the time if they hit four, four plus of these categories. For a top 24 finish, 14.1% uh, for four plus categories as opposed to the 12.8%. And then for top 12 seasons, aka a wide receiver one season, 9%. So, you know, a percent or two on each one of those uh, for players that hit four or more of these metrics in a year. And I can tell you what last year's list was. So you can kind of compare, and this is where a lot of our buy low content came in 
to play this offseason. So here are the wide receivers that hit four categories last year. Xavier Worthy at Texas, Bo Collins at Clemson, Mario Williams at Oklahoma, Caden Prather at West Virginia, Brian Thomas Jr. at LSU, Deion Smith at LSU, Malik McLean at Florida State, Dakari Collins at Clemson, Troy Franklin at Oregon. Players that hit five or more, JoJo Earl, Lorenzo Styles, uh, and Malik Neighbors, and then somebody who hit six, Rashard Smith. I don't believe we had anybody hit more than six last year. And obviously, this list shows you that not all of these guys end up working out. You can see, you know, the the, the 17, the 19, the, the 14% here. But you're not really going to find any names not on this list that broke out this year. You know, it, it's kind of like the, you know, what is it? Not all squares or all squares are, are parallelograms or whatever, but not all parallelograms are squares, like whatever that math problem is like. Not all players that are non-zeros are good. But if, you, if you're producing in the NFL, you probably weren't a zero. And that's kind of the distinction that we make here. So you can look at that list from last year. Xavier Worthy hit. We still like Bo Collins. Caden Prather had a good season. Troy Franklin had a breakout season. Malik Neighbors had a good season. So like a, a bunch of those names you can see are kind of moving on to the next level of our analysis. And now when we're talking about next year's draft class, these are names that we're seriously considering uh, as kind of, you know, top end, even to, to mid tier, uh, uh, Debbie and draft assets. So that's last year's list. I do want to look at this year's list just to mention the guys that have hit multiple categories. And again, I'm going to post one of these trackers just so everyone can get an idea of what I'm looking at here. We actually had a player hit all eight categories this year. First time in a couple of years that we've had that happen. And it was Luther Burton, who's at Missouri, the wide receiver one in the class. Um, surprise, surprise. They used him really creatively over the course of the year. The Tigers did. He hit every single year one zero category. So he gets the goldest of gold stars for his production this season. So go Luther Burton. And he's still, contrary to what you might hear, still a very good bet moving forward. Um, players that hit six or more categories. We have a couple of them. It looks like it is Barion Brown. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Barion only hit five. Um, Antonio Williams hit six. Antonio Williams at Clemson, who actually ended up leading Clemson in receiving this year, finished with six plus. Players that hit five or more categories this year. Barion Brown at Kentucky there. Obviously, kick returning threat, but had a pretty good receiving year as well. Um, not many people necessarily realize that. Um, and I believe there's one other one as well. Uh, no, that's it. He's the only one that hit five. And then guys that hit four or more, there's actually uh, quite a few of them here. Kobe Prentice at Alabama, he hit four or more. Uh, Jordan Hudson at TCU, he hit four. Uh, Matthew Golden at Houston hit four or has hit four so far. Dane Key also at Kentucky hit four. Evan Stewart at Texas A&M hit four, uh, and Tet McMillan at Arizona hit four, as did Isaiah Bond at Alabama. So, I mean, we, we got to that. So that's kind of your pool of players that you're really, really looking at for next year. And I'll repeat those names again, the ones that I'm looking at, the, the kind of draftable wide receiver assets from this class. Luther Burden at Missouri, Evan Stewart at Texas A&M, uh, Tet McMillan at Arizona, Isaiah Bond at Alabama, Antonio Williams at Clemson, Kobe Prentice at Alabama, Jordan Hudson at TCU, Barry and Brown at Kentucky, uh, Matthew Golden at Houston, and Dane Key at Kentucky. That those that that is your pool of players 
that you're interested in going into next year. Now, I want to double back here to Todd's question because there, there are some guys that are still zeros but are kind of close. And he said, is there anybody that you think is a shot in the bowl game to kind of make their case to get off this list? And I think the name that everyone wants to hear is Adam Randall, the true freshman there at Clemson. Blew out his knee in spring, uh, spring practice and then magically – was able to come back this season and play. And, you know, we, we joke about the the witch doctors and the voodoo and everything else there at Clemson. But, I mean, he he healed quickly. He's gotten out there, and he's been getting run. He just hasn't necessarily been getting the stats to hit any of these kind of, you know, the, these thresholds. Um, he, he's close in several of them, though. He's got six receptions, so he needs four more to hit 10. He's got 79 receiving yards on the year, so he only needs 21 more receiving yards. He could get that in one catch realistically. Um and those are kind of uh, 115 total scrimmage yards. He's at 79. So, you know, again, same. He hasn't had any rushing production. So those those are kind of the guy. Uh, he, he's the guy that's the closest. He, he's got several categories that he can get there. I don't think it's crazy to think that he gets a 21-yard reception at some point or, you know, two catches for, for, for 32 yards or something like that in their bowl game, especially because they're playing Tennessee, and Tennessee is going to – you know, play with tempo. They're going to, they're going to have a lot of possessions to get him the ball. So, you know, not that Dabo is going to be on the sidelines saying, you know, he's going to be a zero. We got to give him these 21 yards. These the fantasy nerds care about this, but it, but it is a, a big deal. Um, and so he's a guy that I think is close. There's no one else on this list that I think is particularly close to a category that I think might get there in the bowl game, which is unfortunate. Obviously, a guy could have a a huge bowl game kind of come out of nowhere and kind of stake their claim. But if I'm just looking at the list of guys here, the next closest guy to any of these categories really is Kendrick Law, who's at Alabama. And Alabama, I think not only do they not have a ton to play for in this bowl game, but I, most of the wide receivers and stuff are happy or are, are, are there and healthy. We'll see what happens if, if Bryce Young even plans on playing in this game might have a backup quarterback in that obviously isn't great uh, for his chances either, but he he's, he's really the other close guy. I mean, denial on more sets 65 yards away. Uh, Isaiah Tegna is, uh, is five rush yards away. So maybe he could get a, a rush in this game. Um, but, but realistically, I mean, just looking at the rest of this list, it's, it's not looking great. Um, so Unless just a, a snap, a weird snap count happens in, in one of these games and a couple of guys opt out and, and whatever else. Um, I, I don't know that I see any of these other guys hitting this year. So uh, might be your time to try to sell a guy like CJ Williams or, or Andre Green Jr. or or my guy Talon Shetron or any of these guys because I, I, the likelihood of them becoming future NFL guys is low doesn't mean that maybe they won't produce in college over the next couple of years, but um, uh, unfortunately, you know, a uh, long-term um, value might be capped. And then the other question that Todd asked, he said the most and least surprising guy to make the list. I think it depends on who you talk to as, as to who might be most surprising for them. Cause obviously all of us might, you know, one of us might be higher on a player than, than somebody else on the team and, and vice versa. But personally for me, the guy that I'm shocked that, that did not hit this is Talon Shetron. And again, I know he's been a little banged up this season, but Oklahoma State has not had a very good wide receiver room. Another wide receiver on that roster, Stephon Johnson, has actually produced decently this year. He's been pretty dang good. Um, and Shetron really hasn't. On the season, Shetron's current stat line sitting, um, he's not really close to many of these. He's got two catches for 21 yards. I believe he does have a receiving touchdown as well, but that's it. 
So not the year that we thought Chetron would have with a thin depth chart on a team that does like to pass the ball and pass the ball downfield to the boundary guy, guys that have his skill set. Um, so he he's a guy that really, really surprised me. A couple other guys that I thought had pretty decent chances to uh, to make it off this list. Kion Grays at, at Ohio State, and he's probably going to go down as my biggest miss in this class. I had him as my wide receiver three. Um, behind Luther Burden and Barry and Brown coming into the year, I thought that Ohio State's wide receiver room actually is not that deep at the moment. And with JSN out, I thought for sure this was a situation setting up for him to factor in at the end of games. Again, blowouts. Ohio State's going to pass the ball when they're up 40. That's just what they do. They went a little run heavy in some of those instances this year. I'm thinking specifically of the game uh, against Rutgers where they just ran Mayan Williams up Rutgers throughout the whole game like that. That was an opportunity that he just, you know, it didn't come his way. And really beyond that, he hasn't gotten on the field anyway. I thought maybe he could factor on special teams. He really hasn't. Like he he just hasn't done anything this year. So I think he's just going to be a guy that I, I'm going to have to punt on uh, and, you know, admit, say I was wrong. I, I, I was wrong on him. Um, some other guys that I thought – you know, thin, thin depth charts, pass happy offense, you know, et cetera, et cetera, could, could probably get on the field. Like how 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 not good does Tobias Merriweather have to be at Notre Dame? They don't have anything in wide receiver this year. And I get that their quarterback play wasn't great either. Um, but for him to have one catch for f- 41 yards, admittedly, on the year with that thin wide receiver core is just embarrassing. Um, so quite frankly, he's a guy like, when looking at situation that I'm just like, this dude is toast. If he couldn't do anything this year uh, as a future NFL guy, I didn't expect any of the Michigan guys cause they don't pass the ball and, and whatever else. Anyway. Um, the only, the other one that I will say that I think is a bit of a surprise is DJ Allen at TCU. And I know we were fairly split on DJ Allen. I really, really liked him. I thought because he is a Swiss army knife, he played some quarterback in high school. He played some running back in high school. He played some wide receiver in high school. I thought this is a guy that TCU can put him anywhere, including on special team stuff. And he could probably, you know, just, just lock into five kick returns essentially throughout the season. Not only did he not even do that, but he hasn't played like a single snap at all. Um, so, so that one I think is a little bit surprising uh, as well. In terms of guys that that are not zeros that that have hit at least one of the categories, is there anybody that I'm surprised that did it? I'm a little surprised by Kobe Prentice. I'm a little surprised by Kobe Prentice. Not gonna lie, I was pretty low on him coming into the year. I think he was benefited pretty greatly by injuries at the beginning of the season to JoJo Earl, to Aaron Anderson, to you know insert other slot guy here. At one point, he really was like their only healthy slot wide receiver, so he got some run. There early in the season, he saw his snaps decrease and his production go way down as the year went on. I actually think he's a big sell, um, even though, you know, he's hit a couple of these categories just because I think uh, he, he benefited from some some things that I think are not going to be repeatable there for him. So he's a guy that really, really surprised me. Um, but there isn't anybody else on this list that really surprised me. Uh, I'll be honest, that hit this. Um, you know, the Texas A&M guys, thin depth chart. Luther Burden, thin depth chart. Tent McMillan in Arizona, thin depth chart. Antonio Williams at Clemson. He's played mostly slot. They didn't have a slot guy, so that was, you know, thin slot depth chart. Um, Jordan Hudson, uh, again, kind of, you know, they rotate a lot of receivers. He's touched the field a lot. Barry and Brown, I knew he would hit it just based on his return ability. Um, so that one's zero surprise to me. I'm actually surprised that he's got, like, 
50 yards or like 500 yards under 600 yards in the season. Like he's been really, really good as a receiver. Um, but, but yeah, nobody else in this, on this list really surprises me at all. Um, just a, a list of really, really good players. Um, if I had to pick a couple of guys that I'm selling from this list, again, I'm probably selling Kobe Prentice. I'm probably selling Jordan Hudson, although he's attached to a very good offense. So uh, I think an argument could be made either way there. Uh, and then I think I'm selling Dane Key as well, actually, at Kentucky. And he was a guy before the season that I mentioned as he might outperform statistically Barry and Brown this year. And I think, I don't think he ended up doing that, but he had a very good season. And now is the time to sell, I think. You know, they've already sounds like planted their flag on who the next quarterback's going to be there. That's going to be um, Graham Mertz, is the rumor. I don't think it's official yet, but uh, does not instill a lot of confidence in me in terms of getting these receivers the ball. Uh, and Key is, I, I've used these descriptors all year on him and why I wasn't like that high on him, even though I thought he'd have a decent season. He, he's just a linear, vertical, springy wide receiver. And what I mean by that is he just, his role is basically red zone and then stretch the field on the boundary. Not a lot of variation in routes in terms of what he's going to be successful doing. And he's going to win at the catch point. And that's basically what he did all season. Um, he's good at it, but it's not necessarily a skill that I think is always translatable. It's just very, very difficult to predict that. So he's another guy that I think if you have someone in your league that really likes Dane Key, how I would sell these guys is I would package them with something else to trade up in, into a player that I think is as much, much more solid um, ground that they're standing on currently. So I don't have any examples off the top of my head, but I, I would package Dane Key and um, uh, Dane, Dane Key and a a a, um, a guy that you can get as like a running back in the second round. I think maybe Dane Key and Braylon Allen for for Quinshawn Judkins. Somebody might do that. Um, uh, Dane Key and um, uh, examples are very difficult to come up with on the spot. But the, those are the kind of trades that I'd be trying to make the make with them because if you're just dangling a guy like Dane Key out there signals to everybody else in your league that maybe you just don't like them that much. Um, so, and, and you'll never really get fair offer back, but I think if you can kind of package for the tier up, I think generally you end up making out better from a value perspective. So that's how I'm treating a lot of these guys moving forward. Again, I'm going to tweet out this. Uh, I'll tweet out one of the graphs. Um, so you guys can get a really good idea. This is something that we're going to continue to do every year moving forward. Um, if you're again, one of our NAL members at campus to Canton, you get an update on all of this information every single week. We have discussions, you know, who do we think's getting off this list next? And you can kind of start, you know, we discuss strategy in there. Should I be selling this guy? We, we said sell CJ Williams in week six because the snaps are actually going down, which is not what you want to see. You kind of want to see them going in the other direction. Conversely, we were saying, you know, go buy. Antonio Williams, he, he was being slept on early in the season and he was hitting these categories and we're saying, go buy Antonio Williams. People aren't talking about this kid. Go buy, um, go buy a Jeremy Bernard for cheap. Go buy a, uh, Tet McMillan. Um, these, these are the kind of guys that we were saying, you know, they're, they're outperforming uh, a lot of these metrics and, and they look really, really good from this, um, vantage point. So that's going to do it here for today's show guys, a short one. Um, but, uh, one guy doing the show, you know, it's, uh, Colin, Colin shirking these duties and um, uh, just a lot to ask of a, of a, of a single guy here. So we'll be back next week again with campus life again, tune into our better sports show every Saturday. It's going to be going on year round. Even if there's not games that day, we'll still be talking college football. 
Uh, and obviously we have lots of bowl games to talk about as well. Uh, we're starting to drift into off-season mode, guys. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel, uh, in the Discord, on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're already starting guide prep. We have a whole stream planned. We're going from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern on uh, early signing day on the 21st of this month. Um, so lots of things to look forward to. We're really, really excited for some of the things that we're adding and doing here this offseason. Um, thanks for listening in and, and for those that are members and, and have supported us. Uh, a big shout out to you guys for making a lot of things that we like to do uh, possible. And your feedback is obviously appreciated as well. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. and Have a good one.